0: Live from Lisbon. This is the Twilight Show with Lucy Newberger.
1: Good evening everybody. It's Tuesday. It's the Twilight Show and you're back with me, Lucy Newberger.
0: Live from Lisbon, this is The Twilight Show with Lucy Newberger on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
1: I will never not enjoy that introduction uh, courtesy of the lovely Graham, uh, one of my fellow hosts on Teachers Talk Radio. He just has one of those wonderful voices that seems made for for voiceover, which he does a lot of. Anyway, um, I digress as usual. Good evening. Hello, everybody. I am back with you for this evening's Twilight Show. and. Well, there's been a lot going on as always, uh, but I'm very, very, very excited. I say this every week, but I'm very excited in particular for this evening's show because we're actually talking to a very dear friend of mine, Amy, uh, who... I originally met through my teacher training and she has since left the profession and is now a prison officer. And she is coming on in a little bit to talk to us uh, about well her journey through teaching, her life so far and anything else that, that comes up along the way but as always before we get stuck into that of course we have to go through the week the trials and tribulations the the highs the lows and the, and really the the everything in between and to start off my chat this evening can we please talk about and i'm sure people have said this before how long January is. And I don't know if it's because it's the month after Christmas, or because payday seems days away still weeks away. So I don't even know where it is at this point. But it just seems to never end. The weather's a bit rubbish still even out here in, in Portugal. I mean, to be fair, actually, that's not strictly true. In the day, it's 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 warm, but the mornings and evenings are are cold are very cold. Uh, But it just seems like it drags. People are a bit lethargic. Um, Tiredness, everything. The mornings are dark. It's just a little bit tough. So I'm I'm kind of as much as my birthday was fun a couple of weeks ago. I feel like I'm ready. I'm done with January now. And I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm over it at this point i'm ready i'm ready to move on i'm ready for february although valentine's day can can do one but the rest of it i'm i'm here for pancake day all of that and of course february half term which uh i will come back to in in a moment oh people of the teaching world i am struggling at the moment and i think this is partly related to january blues And partly because I think I'm just finding everything a little bit tough at the moment. And I think that we need to be more upfront about this in teaching. We need to be more upfront. And I talk about this a lot and it it rears its head in a number of of shows that I've talked about. Certainly when I've talked about teacher martyrdom, I know a couple of weeks ago, I touched on on mental health in in teaching and and, uh, the statistics related to teacher retention and all of that. Because I don't think we we put our hands up and say, help enough. And I'm putting it out there. I'm I'm finding it really tough at the moment. And I think it's it's a combination of things. Uh, and it even, it starts with the most minor, minor things. And I feel I have to say this out loud because I have to laugh about it. Because I actually went for a cup of tea with my friend and colleague, Anna, yesterday. And she said to me, Lucy, you've got to just stop letting the little things get to you. Like, you've got to leave it at work. And because I had about a a 20 minute rant about the fact that my computer doesn't work properly at the moment, that the internet cuts out on, (coughs) excuse me, that the internet cuts out on me on a regular basis, uh, that the printer just seems to have a mind of its own currently, and I my the conclusion to my rant was I just need an office that works it was sort of it was incredibly dramatic and when I actually heard myself say this out loud I thought oh for goodness sake you know you're 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 getting mad at uh, inanimate objects and we've all been there with teaching it kind of comes up time and time again the printer doesn't work your internet doesn't work everything kind of blows up before a very important lesson And it's just a lot of that at the moment, coupled with the kids are are up the walls. And I think this is the case for a lot of people at the moment, just in the wake of COVID, in the wake of Christmas, in the wake of everything else, trying to bring them back down to earth is just quite hard at the moment. And I got really cross today because as I introduced my my English lesson, uh, because we're going to do historical adventure stories next. There was an audible groan from some of my children. And I thought, how rude. You know, what 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 do you what do you imagine I'm going to say? That I'm gonna make you write it now, That I'm gonna make you sit here and write five pages off the bat. Uh and they also looked at me and said, No, no, miss, no, no, we don't think that well, oh, good. I said, you know, here's how we're going to do it. And actually that entire lesson ended up going off on a huge tangent about uh Tudor history, which was quite entertaining, but Uh, only loosely related to to the lesson itself but I think that actually I just need to I think Anna my friend Anna is right I just need to calm down not sweat the small stuff and actually remember why I'm there and why I'm doing what I'm doing and not get upset about the fact that the tech doesn't work or that I've had another mad email from from a from a parent and honestly uh i could do an entire show devoted to that but i think i'd have to be careful just in case there's the odd chance that any of them are listening in i don't think they are but uh i think we do have to be mindful about uh what we're talking about sometimes so as not to get into too much trouble um on that note and it sounds awful like i i don't want to be at work i i do i do and i love my job and i'm very uh, it's very important to me, but I am—I'm not going to lie to you. I am already planning my my half-term escape. I'm thinking about Valencia. If I can get there, COVID permitting, obviously I will take take a view. But as it stands, I'm looking at maybe a few days uh, in in Valencia in in Spain. Uh, so any travel tips, if you've been there, if any of you know it well, uh, those are welcome. So please do let me know if you've been and if you think it's it's worth worth a look but that's i think what i'm what i'm going to do with it particularly as i just received after i haven't received it yet but i'm working on getting it back after a nearly month-long battle with a a COVID testing company in the uk that shall remain nameless uh for failing to provide me with my test results on time to fly back to to lisbon i've actually just ended up getting the flight that i had to rebook compensated so i'm i will be About £100 better off in a few days. So, uh, I'm going to, that's going to fly straight back out of my bank account onto a lovely trip. Uh, TSCW has just said to me that Valencia is the top of their list as well. So, uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of people want to go. It seems to be one of those cities that uh, is an all rounder in terms of it's uh, on the coast. You've got good food, you've got lovely surroundings. I mean, it's a it's a win win there. So I think that's uh, I think that is going to be the winner. What else is happening? Um, I'm finally finally well underway with half marathon training. I spent all of last year banging on about doing the Lisbon half or doing some some races in Lisbon, and of course me being me, I never got round to it. I made excuses, I faffed, I farted around, I did all the things other than actually put any energy into doing what I wanted to do. So I've committed this year and actually I booked it on New Year's Day. So it's there. It's happening on, I think, May the 8th. And yeah, it's it's going well. The training's going going well. And I think that the, the primary objective in all of this is to not make a fool of myself. I'm not going into it with any kind of time frame in mind. I just want to get from one end to the other. And actually, the real reason i'm doing it is because there's a spectacular bridge in lisbon uh called the 25th of april bridge and it stretches from one side of lisbon all the way up to the well up to the other side and uh you actually get to run across this bridge as part of or as the starting part of this half marathon so really i just want to say i've run across the bridge and uh bizarrely given that lisbon is the city of hills it's actually an entirely flat route it goes uh towards uh, Belém which is uh where the original for those of you that are interested the original um pastel de nata came from or pastel de belém uh the original custard tart which are so so good so if ever you are that way either i thoroughly thoroughly recommend going to the original haunt for them it's always packed it's a bit like going to uh betty's in uh, harrogate or to fort mason in london it's always going to be packed but it's worth it's worth the effort i would say um, so away from travel recommendations, but still in keeping with the theme of food. As always, I want to know what you're having for dinner. For once, I am not being lazy. I'm actually going to cook myself um, just on a one pan kind of chicken fajitas. So with uh, lots of veg, lots of peppers, onions, et cetera. I haven't decided whether I'm going to uh, put that all in a wrap and do traditional fajitas or whether I'm just going to eat it as is maybe with some beans on the side so i'll let you know what i end up doing with that um i actually had to poke my best friend this evening to uh find out what she's having uh eleni who i know i mentioned very often and she um she was she was mortified actually, but then she proceeded to tell me she was having toast for dinner. To which I informed her toast is not a meal, and unless you are having beans with it, and that is the only occasion, or as part of an English breakfast, uh, that is the only occasion that uh, toast of any form counts as a meal. It is a snack at best. So I'm hoping she's going to um, up her game a little bit. I did sort of say to her, and she gave me the same advice recently when I was having a bit of a, a wobble. She said, right um have you got pasta in the cupboard always do always always have pasta I think even if I was at my worst I'd probably have pasta in the cupboard and uh I said right okay olive oil garlic clove black pepper job done and uh she said you know what Lucy I'm getting a very strong sense of deja vu here and I said oh really why is that and she said because this is exactly what I said to you the other day wasn't it I said yeah and that is that is why we are friends uh so yeah um also another person who deserves a mention this evening is uh sarah uh another friend of mine who uh teacher trained with amy and with me and i believe she is in the studio i can see her there she also has told me what she's having for dinner this evening um courtesy of her or by request of her i don't actually sorry you're gonna have to remind me how old how old uh your son is now i actually can't remember how old luca is but it he has requested very, very cheesy lasagna. So uh Luca, man after my own heart. So thank you very much for for requesting such a lovely dinner. And also hi to Alex, Sarah's partner, if you're listening to. Um, wonderful, wonderful family, and very excited to have them listening this evening as well. Um, anyone else's dinner mentions? I don't think anyone else has told me what they're what they're having, but uh, I will be asking Amy as and when I um invite her into the studio in a moment and I'm hoping she's able to connect I'm hoping we're not going to have any debacles Uh, she's just informed me that she is in and she is connected and I think she can hear me so hopefully when I invite her on in a moment she'll be able to phone in without difficulty but before she does that I'm just going to kind of do a brief intro into um, what this show is going to be about and then we're going to do some news and some ads and hopefully in that time we can get Amy comfortably into the studio. So tonight we're meeting my friend Amy as you already know. She is actually a teaching escapee. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we should call them that an escapee. She I suppose yeah i suppose that's what she is uh an escapee and she and i met about gosh it's gotta be coming up for six seven years ago now um i think they'll be she'll be able to tell me i think we started training in 2015 it feels like longer ago than it actually is and uh Sorry, she's just texted me as well. She said, uh, escapee best not have those uh, at the prison because, as you'll find out from her, she's in fact a prison officer now. So, before all of this, before where we are today, we uh, all met. So, Sarah, Amy, and I all met at Canterbury Christ Church University in 2015, and we became part of the legendary group six because we were all divvied up into, into PGC groups. And uh, we were led by the marvelous tutor, uh, Andy Blore, who I believe is still uh teaching, lecturing somewhere uh out there. I'll have to find out exactly, but he was absolutely wonderful and he led us beautifully and uh was a huge support to me, I know to Amy as well during our time at Christchurch, and just an all-round good egg, to be honest. So Amy's going to be coming on to discuss with me her her journey since uh qualifying as a teacher, why she ended up leaving, because uh, well, I suppose we're all curious to to know, to know why, uh, because it, obviously it happens a lot, certainly as we've talked about in previous shows, and her current role as a prison officer. And I'm sure she will share some bits and pieces to do with that as well. Oh, Sarah's just commented, Luca was two in November, and like many two-year-olds, he refused the lasagna and wanted toast instead. How rude. He did pick off the cheese from the lasagna. Alex says hi back. And of course he's listening. Oh, good to know. That's fantastic. That's made my day. Right. Okay. so what we're going to do now is we're going to go to the news and then we're going to bring Amy in. And hopefully this will go without a hitch. Fingers
2: crossed.
0: Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy to use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland. Full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today.
3: Are
1: you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the program for you.
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
3: An all boys school in St Albans has had its hair and dress codes scrapped by head teacher Julie Richardson, who took up her role last September. Previously, students could be sent home from the Hertfordshire School if their hair was deemed to be extreme in style, colour or length. Ms. Richardson is now urging other schools to rethink their uniform policy. She said, It is utter madness to be taking children out of class, away from learning, just because their hairstyle does not fit in with our cake ideas on dress. It is my view that these rules, inadvertently or not, target students of colour and are not inclusive and discriminatory. This is not the type of school I would like to attend, work in or lead, which is why we have removed all reference to hair in our uniform policy. We want our boys to embrace how their hair grows. Former Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson has been accused of threatening to withdraw funding for a school in Bury after a former Tory MP considered voting against the government. According to a report for Sky News, Christian Wakeford, who recently defected to the Labour Party, had previously said that he was warned that funding for a new secondary school would be withdrawn if he voted for a motion criticising the government over free school meals. The vote took place in October 2020. In response, Mr Williamson said, I don't have any recollection of the conversation as described, but what I do remember is working tirelessly with Christian and others to deliver this school, which I did. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
0: This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing
4: on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to take a look at teaching online. Marmite comes to mind when I think about teaching online. I actually like it, but it's my job and I'm surrounded by gadgets to assist me. A lot of teachers hate it. If you think about it, for 90% of the current population of teachers, delivering a lesson online is something they've not even been trained in they signed up to be in the classroom with a group of pupils. I'm not going to go into the depths of the delivery platform. That's normally a choice that's already made for you by technology leaders in schools. I'm going to give you a couple of free tools that work in a browser so don't need installing and can be used for engagements in the classroom and easily adapted to use online. First up, we all love Kahoot. Did you know you can set a Kahoot to be self-paced rather than live? Simply click the assign button and you have an instant self-paced quiz for a homework, a starter, or a progress check. If you need to take it online, share the link, and off you go. If you use lots of YouTube clips and websites, check out Wakelet. Share collections of links in a meaningful way, for free. My favourite use for this is to group my YouTube clips for topics. Not only are they played back with less distractions, but I can share a group of links for revision or to flip a lesson. Again, if I have to teach online, one link can lead to many. Just remember to check your school's policy on using websites such as YouTube for online teaching. If you have access to devices in the classroom, why not try Mentimeter? Create interactive presentations, take votes or build word clouds from participants' answers to improve engagement, assess learning and inspire discussion. Or, if you love whiteboards, try whiteboard.fi. As a teacher, you can see all your classes' whiteboards and answers, know who's interacting and who's not. You can even show a QR code for ease of joining. I could go on and on. The idea is to test these things out when you're with your class and there's no pressure. Then, should you need to teach online, you'll feel more comfortable, there'll be fewer issues, and most importantly, you'll see if pupils are engaging. I hope you consider bringing a bit of tech into your classroom. As always, please test things work in your setting before you use them. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Oh, I
1: absolutely adore two minute tech. And I, I always have to listen back to them because I don't fully take them in the first time. But no, Steve, Steve is wonderful. So if you're out there listening, Steve, um, we think you're one we think you're great, please keep up the good work. Okay, back to the job in hand this evening. So in a moment, I'm going to unmute Amy, who I think was slightly, slightly uh <laughs> upset with me for putting her on mute to begin with, but I did explain to her why. Um we did have a laugh prior to this prior to this evening, when I actually roped her into to doing this, um, we, we, well, I'm very bad at catching up with people. So when I accosted Amy asking her to do this, I think she was a bit kind of, oh, all right then. And uh, we were talking everything through and we did have a good laugh because I said to her, the only thing really that you need to remember uh, on this show is what I call Davina rules. Now, for those of you who are old enough to remember Big Brother, back in, we were talking I think seriously early noughties, I think it might have even been turn of the millennium, when uh, Davina would pop up on your screens on Friday night uh, and say to people, you are live on channel four, please do not swear. And of course we we don't swear on the radio, this is a family show. So that's why I refer to it as Davina rules. And I think uh, Amy got a bit of a laugh out of that. But uh, I'm going to stop uh, blabbering on, I'm actually going to bring her on to introduce herself. I'm hoping she can hear me. Amy, are you there?
2: Hello, I'm hoping you can hear me.
1: I can! Oh my gosh, I'm so excited that you're, that you're here. And, uh, and that you're here despite the fact that you are currently battling through COVID as well.
2: Yep, day seven of isolation um, is getting pretty tedious now. And I feel like I sound really snotty, but um, <laughs> there's not much I can do about it at the minute. It's, yeah, it's, it's nice to talk to someone because I've been I live on my own, so I'm very much... On my own through isolation the only time i've been able to talk to someone is through the phone because no one's allowed in or anything um and it yeah it's nice to actually have a conversation with someone that's not my family so yeah
1: oh wow so this is a this is a real treat for you now i've been keeping tabs on you because i know you've been posting your your lateral flow test and uh it's it's getting there but it's not there yet from what i can see
2: yep we've got the faintest the faintest lines and it's they're they're just not disappearing I got my hopes up earlier and I thought oh I've got a negative did one about a couple of hours later and we're back to being positive again so no I think I'm I'm stuck in for the foreseeable by the looks of it
1: oh no but um how, how how's it been have you um managed to kind of be productive in anywhere or has it just been a case of I'm just going to sleep until further notice
2: yeah, uh, yeah, pretty much the latter on that one. I'd say um, I've, I've read a lot. I've read a lot. I've read half a book in the last twenty four hours, um, but I'm not really into my TV or anything like that. So it's it's kind of just been, oh, tidy tidying the flat and things like that. And um, yeah, I've spoke to my sister on Facetime pretty much every day. She's probably had enough of me as well. Catching up with Dave the dog, um, oh. obviously, because he's the main man in my life um yeah and just just milling about really and taking a nap I spoke to you the other day about having a nap and you're like oh I'd love to have a nap I mean I've napped every day since I've been isolating and it's been lovely but it'd be a shock to the system when it comes to going back to back to reality oh gosh
1: <clears throat> yeah no I mean bless you and uh, just for those of you who don't know Dave is uh Amy's adorable schnauzer who uh, has been how long have you had him now
2: Oh, he's technically not mine. I can't claim him. He is my sister's dog. Uh, he was four in July, so Gosh, it's yeah, we, long, yeah, it, yeah. So yeah, four and a half years we've had him. Wow, I remember. I
1: remember you getting Dave. So that's oh. yeah, that's been a while. Right, we This is. I mean, as much as it's lovely to to catch up, we do have a purpose to this as well. So we can't de- deviate too. But well, we can because I deviate all the time on the show, as people <laughs> who listen regularly will know. But. Let's kind of go from the top. So what I'd like you to do, first of all, is kind of introduce yourself and sort of a little bit about you just kind of more generally outside of work, employment, all of that. Who is Amy?
2: Oh, it feels like a work interview, Lucy.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I did tell <laughs> you. I did, yeah. I did say I wasn't going to grill you, but uh, I just want people to get a feel for who you are.
2: Um, Yeah, so I'm Lucy's friend from her PGCE years, um, and Sarah as well. I know you're listening. I haven't spoken to you in ages. I am the grand old age of 30, um, younger than Lucy, which is always a bonus. (laughs) Um, Now living life in Suffolk. I moved up here a couple of years ago. um, And as Lucy said, I'm working in the prison service at the moment. Um, And yeah, I'm a very fun-loving person into my sport big time. And that keeps me going when I'm not working. Um, Love a bit of reading. And I also love to get on a plane at any possible chance um and so with COVID at the moment obviously that's all been grounded to a halt but I have fingers crossed got a holiday booked for Gran Canaria in February during the half term actually which is great because I didn't know if I'd get the half term off but yes I have um yeah I'm I'm into a bit of everything me um I'll watch EastEnders as my guilty pleasure um which I fess up to and everybody knows about it. And I have to watch it on a daily basis. Otherwise I get upset with myself. But yeah, <laughs> um, there's not much to it, really. I'm just, oh, I'd say, I'm, uh, I was going to say normal person, but I don't really know what normal is. So I, think, just I
4: don't
2: a, think any of us do. No, an average Joe, really. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, just get on with life and yeah, take it as it comes.
1: I mean, sadly, you are a Chelsea fan, but we, we, we look past these things.
2: Oh, yeah. What? yeah, well, you know, some of us are doing better than others, aren't they, Lucy, at the moment?
1: Well, there, there is that. But that's a chat yeah. for, for another time. But I want to kind of take you back in time a little bit. Sort of do-do-do-do.
2: Uh, Seven so, years ago.
1: Was it really? Oh, gosh. I, I, so Seven, years. Oh, gosh, that's a hideous thought. So when we first, you, Sarah, and I, and others, uh, who I'm hoping that this is a podcast, uh, when we all met on that day in... <sighs> 2015 oh good grief and uh what kind of drew you to doing a pgc originally because we've kind of we sort of cut to the end where you are now but i kind of want to take you back to the start and sort of go on the whole whole trip through
2: yeah i was bumming about in london for uh six years at university and ended up getting a teaching assistant's job um, in Croydon, of all places, which is a lovely place to be. Um, and, yeah, I was just bumming about in London, and I was doing this TA, TA role, and I kind of thought to myself, do you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm 24, nearly 25, and I should probably sort myself out and get myself a real job, as I called it then, um, and actually have some responsibilities. So that's when I plucked up the courage and thought, I right, I need to apply for a PGC and I need to get into this this teaching teaching job properly and become a teacher because I'd only ever worked in education since leaving um, university originally Um, so I didn't really 100% know that that's what I wanted to do Um, and yeah kind of ended up at Canterbury Christ Church with with you and, and the rest of group six.
1: Oh, group six. Sarah's just said, um, hi, Amy. Uh, Lucy, I was waiting for the football comments because, yeah, Sarah is a West Ham fan. Less said about that, the better. Um, I feel very nostalgic listening to this. Oh, good. I'm so glad. That's great.
2: Uh, Group six Um, is for life.
1: Oh, honestly. And I just and this is (laughs) actually the whole the whole kind of premise behind all of this. Was kind of a, oh, where are they now sort of, sort of thing. So, uh, the fact that we've tracked you down and got you on here, Amy, is, is such a joy for, for me and I think probably for Sarah as, as well <laughs> listening to this. So, okay. So we're at Christchurch. We got there, um, and, you know, from TAing onto, onto doing the, the, the PGCE. What were your, I mean, are there any sort of highlights you recall from our, from our time at at Christchurch? Oh,
2: so many. Uh, (laughs) One of the things that sticks with me, and I'm hoping you guys are going to remember this as well, was one of our science, I was going to say lectures, it wasn't a lecture. It was more of a science experiment um, kind of, uh, play around, if you like, in the classroom where we had um, balloons and string and we had to work out how to get the balloon f- across the string using a straw as well. And we, uh, I remember, I have videos of it still, of us racing these balloons from one side of the room to the other and, and just being kids basically and we were just in our element just being ridiculously silly Um, but in all in the name of science obviously and yeah the yeah there's a lot that I really enjoyed and I still remember it It doesn't feel like seven years ago if I'm honest it does feel like it only happened the other day um, but a lot has changed since then.
1: Of course, I mean, I think a lot of there, there's some, definitely some memorable sessions in there. I mean, I remember some of the art and DT ones, art not being my strong suit. Just where we were kind of trying to build and put things together, and uh, it certain people shone in those sessions, and certain people like me did not in
2: mm-hmm. the slightest.
1: Um, but uh, I also remember we had a brilliant maths tutor as well, didn't we? Oh was, um...
2: yeah, what was his name? Was it John? I can't...
1: I think it was John. and he, I want to say John. To this day, honestly, he is the one I, he changed maths for me completely because I went through school being absolutely rubbish. And going back to basics with him and building up again, mm-hmm. and it's been my favourite thing to teach ever since.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, John Wilde, I believe his name was. Oh, I have a feeling that's... that was his name, yeah. I, th- I think that was his name, but yeah, you I, I remember the on a Monday... for that one. Yeah, didn't I just? I remember on a Monday morning we'd have him on a Monday morning, and he'd have rock music on, wouldn't he? And yes, him To the was classroom, it. and I was like, oh, it's Monday morning. man, What's going on? But like you said, he made maths so enjoyable. I hated maths when I was at school personally, but um, when I was teaching, I really enjoyed it, and you know, it took a lot away from his pgc sessions when we had him um but he was fantastic he was definitely one of the the better lecturers from christchurch even though there were so many to choose from as you mentioned earlier mr blore as well
1: oh oh, i really i just i i want to track andy down again he was um he was a a lover of doctor who wasn't he as well he
2: was yeah i I believe from the last i heard he is in derby um he was lecturing in derby was the last i heard from him
1: okay good and mm. uh seem, seeming to be enjoying himself from what I can see on Facebook he's he's definitely having a having a great time um I also want to briefly take you down memory lane of your uh, trip to Belgium on the PGC as well
2: oh my goodness with our dear friend, Pat. Yeah. Our dear friend oh, Pat yeah that was that was two weeks of just the most brilliant time um obviously me and pat being the people that we are we decided to head over to belgium the weekend early just to enjoy mostly the beer um <laughs> and some of the sights of, of belgium as well but yes yeah, we we managed to get, get onto the the belgium trip for two weeks as part of our PGCE, um and we literally just had to pay for our spending money and, and getting there so it it was it was brilliant and we were staying with a Belgian family um, and we got to teach in I think it was five different schools that was primary and secondary and we just had the best time and there was there was 12 of us um, and we all got became quite good friends and me and Pat just had the best time together we ate a lot of waffles we drank a lot of beer and we also yeah did a lot of teaching in different schools which is a real a real different kind of spin on things I suppose it would have been the same with you when you went to India as well.
1: Yeah, and I mean that was a, a game changing trip for me as well, and I think there's probably mm. room for an entire episode based on that because I still, I mean, I ended up becoming trustee of a of a charity in India on the back of that, and uh, I'm still involved with it to, to this day. So uh, I mean, Christchurch, it was i mean it it had its quirks for for sure but there were some great things that we got out of our our time with them and certainly those trips that were if you could get onto them because they were they were tough to to get involved with but uh mm-hmm. they were the absolute game changers i think and that's definitely what's what stuck with me as as part of my teacher training through through
2: them <laughs> yeah <Not laughs> Do I, think
1: was, yet. I don't think it was anything else i think it was just the fact i think also the lasting thing is the fact that uh there are a large number of us in, in group six in that particular group who got on so, so well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, think that was, that was such a key part of it. I think of, of everyone pulling each other through because you PGCE, yes, it's just a year, but it's a year that is crammed full of everything you can even imagine, you know, not just the teaching side of it. You've got your portfolios, you've got your observations and it's, it's never ending until you get to that point where we, like we did as, as a group, sat in that final lecture and, you're, and it's farewell and the curtains come up and you're like oh my goodness we've managed to get to the end of it yeah
1: um, yeah it, 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 it was emotional <laughs> in many many ways oh my goodness I think and we
2: had a bottle of Prosecco didn't we for that one we yes I think we may well have done yeah. I think we, did we, we didn't have it in a lecture did we I'm pretty sure we did Lucy maybe we did oh gosh well, some of us might have done I can't remember that Maybe I've
1: kind of been like, oh, no, not me. Not, not you. <laughs> not me. I would never do such a thing. Um, but, uh, okay, so, yeah, we got we got through our PGCE. We, we got there. We, we graduated. And then we kind of all went our, our separate ways. And uh, it then became time to, okay, we've actually got to uh, – there was definitely rum in that lecture too. Sarah was there. Oh, oh, I'm me. glad I'm
2: not the only one that
1: remembers this. <laughs> gosh I'm gonna get so much trouble for this I'm sorry to anyone I'm sorry to any of our our lecturers out there who do end up hearing this we were we were model students at all times anyway so afterwards we yes we went our separate ways it's time to kind of properly adult if you like and go out into the into the teaching world so where where did you end up Amy where where was your sort of first port of call after after
2: PGCE uh, not too far from Canterbury. It was a lovely little school. I say little; it wasn't little. It was a uh, three, three form entry primary school in Ashford, so not a million miles away at all.
1: And uh, what you, I remember, were you kind of
2: year five or six to begin with? Yeah, to begin with, yeah, year five for the first two years I was there. Then I moved up to year six after that. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it was. Uh, and how and how was it? I mean, was it uh, a tough school, or did you kind of enjoy your time there? What What sort of again? how did you feel about teaching at this point was it kind of you going okay I'm really I'm good I'm ready I can do this um or was it kind of very early on that you thought oh gosh I've done something terrible here
2: um well should we say in the first three weeks I was there we had an Ofsted inspection Um, yep so that that really kick-started my um, teaching career as an NQT anyway Um, and yeah I I think my NQT year was a real roller coaster of emotions Um, not only did I have Ofsted in my first month I also lost my dear mum in that first month of teaching as well so then I was obviously off for a period of uh, bereavement if you like before Christmas and yeah that kind of tipped my whole world upside down at that point Um, so yeah it was it was definitely different to a lot of other people that were going through their NQT year at the same time but the school itself and the and the children in particular I absolutely adored um and you know I have been in contact with some of them through their parents since I I have moved on um and I still speak to a couple of them um and yeah it it was it was a lovely school there were they had It had its moments, obviously, as do all schools, um, mostly down to senior leadership, if I'm honest. Um, and, you know, I, I feel personally I probably stayed there maybe a year too long than I should have done. Um, but that was just through me not wanting to change. And I was quite comfortable in the way things were working because when you start a new teaching job, things feel like you're starting right from the beginning again. Um, as you probably found out, Lucy, moving to Portugal, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's
1: it's it's often sad to hear we hear this kind of same old thing time and time again where when you ask people why they leave certain schools or why they leave the profession together that senior management or senior leadership and I know and this is and I need to kind of almost I feel I need to caveat this every time there are schools out there where the senior management are great they are supported they Mm -hmm. do exist and yes they do exist and i think even those who have left the profession will tell you that they do exist but it does seem to be that a lot of the time that is the if not the kind of overriding factor it's certainly a contribution to to teachers sitting down and saying you know what i yeah without the support yeah. and the backing of management I can't do this
2: yeah exactly that yeah and I have uh, previously I've done a little bit of work in su- uh, supply teaching and I have worked in schools where the head teacher and the the surrounding team have been really good it's just I've not been a fully tire, fully um fully oh, what am I want to think i fully employed there in that in that time because there wasn't the space available but that you know the couple of schools that I have worked in unfortunately it's It's the senior leadership team and the way that things have run that have really kind of, I don't know, forced me out is the right word, but um, I suppose maybe, yeah, made me consider teaching as a as a profession. Mm.
1: And so you spent so three years in the school in Ashford, and kind of Mm -hmm. uh, what uh, what was the point where you thought, okay, time time to because was that because you worked in another school after that, didn't you, or did you? I
2: did. Yeah, that was when I moved up to Suffolk. Yeah. Okay. Um, So yeah. So what was
1: the kind of so after three years you sort of thought okay enough's enough here what was was there kind of a particular sort of last last ditch kind of i need to save this or were you just like no i'm i'm done here
2: um yeah i i moved up to year six in in the final year that i was there um And I love teaching year six. I got to take my year fives up with me, which was fantastic. So obviously I I managed to build a good rapport with them. We had, you know, a great understanding of one another. Um, And the year group were quite challenging anyway. So to be able to have your foot in the door with them before starting a brand new year was great. Um, But I I think the thing that tipped me over the edge was obviously the pressure of SATs. which obviously comes with year six. And I knew that was going to be a pressure. Um, I knew that before I accepted the position as a year six teacher, but it was it for me. Um, we were having weekly meetings before the SATs arrived from kind of January through to May. And I, I believe in one meeting, it, it kind of tipped me over the edge when they were saying you're not working hard enough and the kids aren't working hard enough. Um, and I kind of, you know, took that really to heart. Um, I was getting to work at seven o'clock in the morning. I was then finishing at, say, five, six in the evening, getting home, having dinner, and then doing more work because of this pressure. And, you know, it, it was all very data-driven, and it, there wasn't much concern for, for us or for the children um, who, who were in our care. So, yeah, that's kind of, I think that's what kind of pushed me out of there eventually was just... It it felt like a numbers game more than you know that I was there to actually teach anything and, and look after those children in my care. Mm-hmm.
1: And Sats does put enormous. I mean, I haven't I haven't <clears throat> taught Year Six yet. I know I'd I'd like to. And actually, Sats is not not a not a thing out here in the in the international system. We have other tests that we do, but it's not there. And the other thing I wanted to kind of ask you about because. Uh, uh, a lot of people kind of the the idea of taking your class up I've definitely heard kind of mixed opinions on this I know some people who've done it and you said it was kind of it was in many ways it was great and other people who said oh gosh you know it's they're they're too comfortable with you at that point so that side of it was was okay was it?
2: Yeah I quite enjoyed it and um, we did a we had like a rotational um, kind of timetable with the year sixes in, in that uh, each teacher was kind of Uh, given a specialist topic um, so maths reading and writing and we rotated so I didn't have them for the whole day there would be like two hours in the morning where I wouldn't teach them so it was actually quite nice to to have them for the hour of reading that I taught and then they would go off to the other teachers kind of getting them used to secondary school if you like where they would move and the teacher would stay where they are Um, so so I wasn't with them you know the whole six hours of the day right the way through Um, but I I quite enjoyed it because obviously I knew them very well by that point as as you do as a teacher um but yeah I can I can see why some people might have reservations with that and I know there are schools that don't like doing that at all um so yeah I can see both sides both sides of that but I personally you know felt it worked quite well for myself and the, and the group of children that I had in in the class
1: okay okay so after the three years you said right thank you very much uh I'm off and uh off to Suffolk you went
2: yes <laughs> yep yeah off to and, Suffolk sunny Suffolk
1: and uh, so you arrive in Suffolk and and what 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 happened next in in uh, Yale teaching career
2: um a social emotional mental health school, SEMH school, um, for children with a range of different, um, you know, challenging behaviors to, um, anxiety about school and, and, and general life, um, children suffering with ADHD and a lot of children that have been through quite traumatic events in their already young lives, um, <clears throat> and yeah, that was a school for children aged 11 to 16 so it was a jump up from primary There was obviously year six it was right through to year 11 so it was a a bit of a change for myself and a new challenge for sure.
1: And what made you want to kind of take that that sidestep was was there anything was it driven by anything or was it kind of uh, this is you know I need a job this is this is the kind of the job that's available to me?
2: Um I think it was a bit of both it kind of um kind of came at the right time for me in, in that I wanted to move on from where I was down in Ashford. Um, and then I was always, for some reason, I don't know, given, I don't know why I was given the most difficult children and the most difficult classes um, throughout the time, you know, my PGCE and the three years after that, I was always given the more challenging group of children. So I thought, do you know what, actually, working in that kind of environment might suit me quite nicely because I seem to just have a way with working with uh children that are struggling potentially um and haven't had necessarily the best of upbringings and haven't got the supportive parents and things like that at home so i thought actually i might be throwing myself in the deep end but actually i think i will be all right um and yeah i kind of landed on my feet there because the the children were fantastic and i i I loved working with them on the whole
1: Mm. (laughs) and so and how long how long were you there in the end
2: um it must have been about 18 months I think altogether um yeah
1: and how did it how did it differ from because te- you went from kind of a, a sort of standard primary school into you know quite a sort of left field uh setup where you've got children who are older than you were used to were you still teaching um primary curriculum or were you having to, to be involved in in different things and different sorts of teaching
2: it was a real mishmash of everything really. There was there was quite a lot of um primary educational teaching um because of the standards, the academic abilities of these children. Um where a lot of them were, you know, not even able to read at the standard of say a year three, so in early key stage two. Um so there was quite a lot of that um input into it as well. But then also you're trying to get them out of school with some form of education. So there was a degree of uh, trying to teach to a, G- a GCSE curriculum as well, so it was all a big learning curve for me. Um, in that I, you know, I was thrown into the deep end, and they were said, "Right, this is kind of what we want you to do." Um, off you go, go and plan some lessons and see how we get on, basically. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it was okay. It was a bit disjointed to what I was used to because I was used to having the same class all the way through um whereas in this new environment I would have a GCSE class for say citizenship and then I'd be back with my group of sevens eights and nines for the rest of the day and it was it was a mix of ages at that point I know that's changed there now um yeah, so it was a real challenge for me to try and get my head around it going from a mainstream primary school where, you know, you have your class for, for six hours a day and you know exactly what they're all capable of. And, you know, they, these were these are children in the SEMH school who struggled to sit down for half an hour, some of them, you know, and yeah, it, it was definitely an eye opener into what SEN teaching is really like.
1: Gosh, wow, and that's you know kind of at the extreme end of of SEN teaching uh, as yeah. well. So from an experience point of view, I mean, wow, you kind of went from from one side into into the other. And uh, I mean, any kind of notable moments? Uh, any I mean, obviously without going into too much detail, but any kind of moments that that stick out in your mind? <laughs>
2: um I, yeah I think there were a lot of positive moments you know um obviously we could we could look on the negative side of things you know all the time especially when it comes to teaching because there are uh should we say a lot of them but you know I managed to to uh, create a rapport with a lot of the children who I worked with quite closely on in some cases I was working on a one-to-one basis um and you know it, it was for me having a rapport with a particular child that a lot of other members of staff really struggled with um, and, you know, being able to build that relationship with that child to, you know, encourage them to do the right thing and to think Mm -hmm. twice about what they were about to do or say, um, whereas other staff may have not had the same kind of reaction. Um, And I remember one child who was really, really into his music and he loved his guitar. And it was during the first uh, COVID lockdown um, when, the school was pretty much shut to, to everyone and he came in and he sat down and he was like miss I'd really like to teach you how to play a bit of guitar and he was like right I'm going to teach you this song and he spent I, I think we spent a good hour or so throughout every day of the week that he was in so a good five hours teaching me the opening to to a song on the guitar and he was fantastic at teaching he was absolutely phenomenal and um yeah that was the def- yeah I've got lots and lots of great memories of working there um it yeah, it was hard, but there there are lots of um um positives to take away from it. And and the staff that I worked with there, the the people on the ground, the teachers and the teaching assistants were absolutely brilliant and we had a, a really close knit team, but I think that's kind of disbanded now, from from what I've heard of what's going on there now.
1: Oh wow! And I think you're you're so right because I think it's easy, as you say, particularly um, you know coming from your side, given that you have uh, that you've that you've left teaching. And I think you know it would be very easy to kind of go down that that negative road, as you rightly say, of kind of oh, you know it was all it was all terrible, and that's the reason I'm no longer in the profession. But I think you you are um, what you've said is 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 so brilliant in the sense that you know despite not working as a teacher anymore, there are still so many positives that you took from it and so many experiences that you highlight. So that's really, really good to hear.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I think, you know, it's not something that I would say I would never go back to. Um, personally, if I could just do the teaching side of things and in a way be selfish and do things my way, I would love to do it. Just working with kids, I do. That is the biggest thing that I miss about, you know, being in the environment that I'm in now. But Um, I I don't miss everything else that goes with it you know taking work home with me that is my biggest pet hate I I love coming home now and not having anything to do with work partly because I can't take anything home because of the the place that I work in but you know the marking and the report writing and everything that went with it was just yeah it it made me feel kind of claustrophobic and that everything that I had to do was involved around my job um so so yeah that's kind of what led me away from the profession as well as, you know, the senior leadership teams and the lack of support and the pressures that go along with it. And I think, again, you've touched on
1: something that the people listening and people who listen back to this will just relate so hard to, because that is, that is what drives a a lot of people out of the profession as well, is that we all, everyone I've spoken to, every single teacher I've ever spoken to has said, I love teaching. I love the kind of going in my classroom, shutting the door and doing what I trained to do but mm-hmm. the nonsense that goes with it and it, a lot of it is like if we're going to boil it down a lot of it is nonsense and there are certain kind of admin tasks that to this day even in the environment i'm in where i'm sitting here and thinking really is this really what i'm having to devote time to is this yeah. really is this really necessary so i think that there you there'll be many many who listen back to this and think do you know what that's exactly it so yeah. Was there a moment where you uh, in, your, in your last teaching job, Was there a particular moment where you thought, "Do you know what, I need something else?" Or did it kind of dawn on you over time that you needed to, you needed to be and be somewhere else and do something else for a bit? Um,
2: for me, it was um, a, a change in head teacher. Um, which I think is a big thing for any school, but even more so for a social, emotional, mental health school, where the children get used to the way that things are, and all of a sudden, this a new head teacher wants to come in and change absolutely everything—the way it's run, the people that run it—and um, we didn't see eye to eye, myself and this new head teacher. Um and I didn't agree with some of the things that she was saying um for instance, one of the things was that if if the children are fighting that we were to just let them fight now me being the individual that I am, I wouldn't be able to stand back and let somebody else you know hurt another human being, whether that be adult or child um and to that at at one point I was actually injured at work, I hurt my shoulder in trying to intervene with one of these fights and I I, it kind of got turned around on me um as if to say well we told you not to get involved um so this injury is actually your fault you should have just let them fight um and it it just did not sit right with me um and there, there was just a lack of support from this new head teacher and it just felt like really that she wasn't listening and the people that she had employed as well were not listening to kind of what the staff on the ground was saying um and and that's kind of what pushed me completely out of out of the profession in the end.
1: Gosh, and that and that is tough to hear, particularly when you were clearly in an environment that actually, you know, you were you were doing well in, and you felt you'd kind of found your found your feet in. And then to to experience upheaval like that, and uh, through someone who you don't see eye to eye with, as you say, is 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 very very tough. So you made it to the end of that academic year or you kind of sort of okay no we're done no,
2: here. no made it to the <laughs> February of that academic year and was like no I can't work under this person anymore um and then that's when I thought right I need to find something for the foreseeable like the next few months so I then went into supply teaching which is where you can just turn up teach and leave and not have oh, to take anything home that's um, a joy but obviously it can be a bit hit and miss. I did enjoy the time that I was supply teaching um, and I've worked in a couple of lovely schools, but I'd already kind of made my mind up uh, by that point that I was going to take a break from from teaching completely.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's the great thing about supply, I think, is that I mean, certainly I've, I used it at a time where I was also considering leaving the profession after. And I, and I know you you know that uh, my NQT year kind of I dotted about a bit before I found somewhere secure and I had some awful experiences, as, as you know. But yeah. uh, no, I think that uh, it's supply is so good for kind of confidence boosting it's good for you know if you want to teach but without the nonsense but of course as you say you know you have five days one week and then one day the next so relying on that as as income is is very hard to do
2: yeah no it is um yeah it was hit and miss in terms of the time that you know I was quite lucky that one school wanted me in you know two days a week for a whole term but it, it was just not knowing it was the not knowing whether you were going to have money coming in you know, to, to pay, to, to pay the bills essentially.
1: Yeah. And it's difficult, particularly when, uh, you know, you're living out, you're on your own, you're kind of like, right. Okay. Oh, uh, but I suppose it afforded you that, that grace period to kind of figure out your,
2: your next move. It did, yeah, and ended up in the prison service. I mean, which is not not too dissimilar from tears from school. It, it's not <laughs> at all. They are very much the men in this prison are very much like ten year old children, and I have thirty plus of them on a landing to myself. So you know, it is pretty much the same.
1: Oh my god! But I mean, but what kind of? I mean, had this been in your mind as kind of something, you know, simmering away for a while, or did you wake up one day and go? do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to apply for the prison service today.
2: I mean, uh, it's sort of, where, where does it come from? Yeah. yeah. Well, I I did apply for, and this is kind of where it does come, come from. I I remember looking online for jobs and things like that. And an education one popped up within the prison. Um, It's not, um, you know, you're not working for the prison as such. You're working for an outside agency that works inside the prison. I think it's called people plus and they were advertising for a life skills tutor um, so I thought, oh, you know, what have I got to lose? So I went I went along to this interview and had a great time. It didn't feel like an interview. it was more of a uh, an informal chat with these two guys who who run the education sector at the prison. Um, and I did really well in the interview, got some great feedback, but the only thing that I was missing was the experience of working in that kind of environment. So then I thought, well, Actually, I could see myself doing something like that, so I'm going to go and get the experience that I need to then potentially move on to something like that later on in my career.
1: Oh wow! So it suddenly became an entirely different journey and and a, and a process. So that that's fantastic. That's that's great. And so you applied to become a prison officer. You got the job, and I mean, what in terms of kind of the the training side of it and what what you know how you were prepared for this did I mean I mean I imagine it blows teacher training out of out of the water
2: you'd like to think so but it really doesn't at all um eight eight weeks training wow eight weeks um from going to what what people call a civvy if you like so someone that's never worked in a prison before or hasn't got the you know the prison officer qualification um to you know eight weeks training which is quite intense um obviously you know learning all the security side of things and how things work etc um yeah so eight weeks I, I started in September and then um last year and then had my eight weeks training and I finished yeah it must have been end of November after two weeks of a a shadow period as well so yeah not not very not very not nowhere near as long as you know a PGCE
1: so I mean and sort of going in did you think oh gosh I am in no way ready for this or did you feel sort of okay right here we go um
2: I think yeah, there were definite levels of apprehension, um, because obviously, you know, when when you're training, when you're shadowing, you've kind of got someone to, you know, sneak behind if you need to, if you're like, oh, I don't like the look of this, oh, I don't really know what to say. Um, but then once you finish your shadow period, it's very much right. Here's 30 odd prisoners, this is your landing, off you go. Um, so yeah, apprehension and anxiety was definitely there, because, you know, if if you make one mistake, then, you know effectively in the job that I'm now in you can end up in prison yourself um, just through making one silly mistake or an error and you know that could obviously be life-changing not just for you but everyone that you know your family and your friends as well so so yeah it was quite daunting I have to say quite daunting.
1: I mean of course you know we have safeguarding stuff we work with with children I suppose it's a, it's a whole different level of safeguarding isn't it for, for yourself as well as for the people that you are in charge of, in, in care of as, as well, you know, different level.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it is. You know, a du- the duty of care is something that's that we have in teaching. For. Yeah, and that is something that's drummed into you in, in training. You know, at the end of the day, prisoners are in prison for a reason, but they are only human um, and they have the same struggles that we do, um, you know, with mental health. That's one of the key ones, especially with lockdown at the moment um and covid and things like that i mean a a lot of the time that since i've been officially live if you like um as a prison officer that they spend 10 days behind their door they weren't even allowed out you know to you know for a a walk or anything like that like we were in the first lockdown um and you know we we have a duty of care to make sure that they're provided with what they need and you know they get their free meals a day etc and you know they've got somewhere somewhere to sleep at the end of the day
1: and it's yeah, I mean, it's wow. But uh, I mean, I'm going to sort of uh, the something that just came into my head while I was talking to you. Now we've all watched kind of uh teacher based mm-hmm. dramas on, on TV. Um I mean, things in the past like Waterloo Road. I mean, that's going back in the archive a little bit, but all kinds of things. Um I can't I mean, they've all escaped my mind now. And we all we've all watched them at the time um, you know, I'm sure you did at the time that you were a teacher, and I still watch you know, some of them now and I think, you know, that would never happen. What absolute nonsense. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's far fetched, this is far fetched. And um I know that um uh, We briefly chatted about it. I think it's called Screws, is it, on Channel 4? It's Screw, yeah. And Screw, that's it. And uh, I wonder if you've just kind of watched any of it and sort of thought, that doesn't happen, or that's ridiculous, or when you watched it and thought, oh, that is it.
2: It's it's been on Channel 4 for the last, uh, I think there's been three or four episodes, um, but I have watched the entire thing on 4OD, Um, and... Uh, you know, it, it doesn't paint the best picture of prison officers. It You know, it, it makes us seem, um, as a cohort, as, like, very unreliable and, you know, not very good at their job. But there was there were some points where, you know, I, I laughed because I was just like, my gosh, that could definitely happen. Um, I think it was in the first episode that this prisoner was trying to get the attention of so many different members of staff, but they kept, um, you know, pushing him aside because they had more important things to do, and he ended up taking a hostage And it all boiled down to the fact that they take an apple pie off off the menu. Um, And it it sounds little and it sounds silly, but, you know, that is the kind of thing, you know, if they don't get the right food, something drastic like that, you know, something so small to us could actually be so huge in their life because that might be the only thing they've been looking forward to all day. Um, But I'm very pleased to say I was a lot more uh, supported in my early days and still am now despite being qualified um than the main character who is a new officer in that program but um i've I've watched things like prison break and it is obviously to the extreme they want to attract the viewers and things like Mm -hmm. that i get that but it's yeah it they they don't seem to paint prison officers in a in a very positive light in any kind of program that i've watched based on a prison in any way um so but i think Also, partly in in that program, they talk about how they're the kind of
1: forgotten... I mean, sorry for any spoilers, people who have watched it, I don't think we've spoiled too much, but they do mention at some point, I can't remember when and which episode, but I think they kind of come back to it quite frequently, that prison officers, in a way, are almost kind of the forgotten public sector workers because we always talk about how teachers are a political football and kind of the grief that we get, uh, police, firefighters, nurses and doctors, all the rest of it, but... Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever in all of that, in all of the kind of the last however long, whether it's COVID related, anything else, um, never sort of heard kind of uh, them being worried about or kind of the concerns surrounding COVID. I mean, obviously there was a focus on care homes for a while and schools and all the mm-hmm. rest of it, but never once kind of anything really to do with, with prison prison officers and, and prisoners. It's almost like they're sort
2: of forgotten about. And I don't know if, if maybe that's your feeling towards it at all? Um, this, Yeah, this is something that, you know, was mentioned quite quite a lot in our training. You know, we are the forgotten force, if you like, but we do quite an important job in in the fact that, you know, our, our main role is to keep the public safe. Um, and, you know, the, the only time that people will hear about what goes on in a prison is when something bad happens. Um, and that's something that, you know, was conveyed to us in our training. You know, if there's... Um, you know you know a death in custody or you know which i have experienced since starting there um you know that w- that has made the news and you know if if people are doing things that they shouldn't be doing things like you know beating officers up and things like that luckily i've not seen any of that but that that is the only time it will make the news when something bad happens um and then all of a sudden people are interested but then it w- won't last very long and it they will you know the reporters and things like that would disappear again but it yeah it's, it's not it's not been covered at all um especially in terms of the pandemic you know prison life has changed dramatically um, I've only known it through covid but I, from what I, I've learned previously you know prisoners were were not in their cells for any length of time in comparison to what they are now at one point as I touched on earlier they were in their cells for 24 hours a day. Um, and this is no more than a box, and literally they have a bed, and they had a TV and an in-cell phone, um, and maybe in an isolation at the moment, I've got my whole flat, I can cook what I want, I can, you know, I've got a shower that I can use, and it was they were really stripped back to absolutely nothing um, at one point during COVID, but you, you wouldn't know that unless you're actually in there yourself. Um, or you know of someone that is in there you well, you wouldn't have a clue how how things are uh, how things are going on behind those doors. And of course, as you say, you know, you've walked into this in in kind of the weirdest
1: time that the that the world's that the world's seen. And so, to go into a completely new environment, to go into a prison in amongst all of this, um, I mean, was that in terms of your the training side of it, was was that touched on? I mean, because obviously there must be protocols in place and things uh, and things like that. I mean, did that feature as as part of your uh, sort of induction, or is it kind of you know, this is this is just kind of how things are now.
2: You no, know. It, w- it was, you know, you know, our training was, you know, we were kind of, you know, I made aware of how things might have changed. But at that point, come for, coming to the end of October, November last year, we were led to believe that most of the prisons were now getting back to what they like to call a normal regime. Um, and then literally within my first two weeks of going live and being a, a fully fledged officer, um, all of a sudden, we were told, right, everyone needs to be behind their doors. And this was a Friday afternoon. We were just getting ready to deliver their, uh, to sort their evening meal. Um, everyone behind the doors, that was the order that we got. So everyone went behind the doors. Um, and this was, a, I think it was a Friday lunchtime. And I remember us having only four cases on the wing, four positive COVID cases. Um, I then had the weekend off, went in on the Monday, and all of a sudden, we were up to 49 positive cases Um, and that's when you know things changed quite dramatically to you know they were going to education they were able to go to the gym once a week to literally being stripped to absolutely nothing look you can't even go and get yourself a toilet roll we have to do all of that for you Um, but that that wasn't really alluded to much at all in training mostly because the people that were training us had been in the prison service for 15-20 years and you know, they, they'd been doing the teaching side of things for the last couple of years, so they've not actually seen what it's like during a COVID lockdown. So they couldn't really prepare us for what to expect should the prison go back to a lockdown again. Um, But yeah, it, yeah, it was it was a very surreal situation to be in.
1: But I think again, and this goes for, for teaching as well, it, it wouldn't matter kind of how much training we did with all these things. It's almost uh, akin to, you know, you you learn on the job and I think it's only really once you're thrown in once you have your own class or once you're on that wing or wherever it is that that you're working that you're actually like right okay this is real life now this is not you know Mm -hmm. I can't sit in a lecture and sort of write things down I'm actually living it and I have to do it and I have to figure it out
2: yeah definitely and I think I think similar to teaching as well being a prison officer you're only going to know if you're going to be any good at it and until you start doing it and it's it's that hands-on experience you know like you said you can sit in a classroom you could write notes and you know you could shadow somebody and and peer teach with someone but until you are left to your own devices to work out your boundaries and how you're going to work um exactly in a classroom and in a prison as well that's that's when you know you you start to find your feet and whether you're actually going to be able to cut it as as a teacher or a prison officer so yeah eyes are yes. opened, shall we say Oh, wow. I mean, honestly, and I, you know, have nothing but, but admiration for
1: you, for you doing it. And I think, you know, kudos to, to you for kind of thinking, OK, right, this is it. And the fact that also, I mean, you know, you've got you've got a plan in place. You, you mentioned uh, originally going for, for the education job. Is that mm-hmm. still uh, as it stands, kind of
2: the direction you want to go in or are you kind of just seeing seeing how it goes at the moment? It is a potential, but I did not realize how many different routes that you could take after doing your prison officer training and doing your one-year probation, how many different routes open up after that year. Um, so for me, being heavily involved in, in my sport, you know, I've got the op- opportunity of being a physical education instructor. Um, I could go into dog handling because I love dogs. I could go into the probation side of things. Or I could progress in terms of you know you know being a custodial manager and working my way up you know on the wings themselves. But it, it opened up so many different avenues. Um, obviously the te- the teaching is still a potential um, opportunity that is there. Um, and I am in touch with the people that I had my interview with, um, and I know the person who who got the job, and she was an officer before beforehand as well. So it's it's opened up a lot of different. Um, doors and avenues for me um so it would be interesting to see you know in the next or oh, what have I got left about mm, seven eight months as as to where I go from there but I am loving it at the moment it's still very new to me but it's it is very much like being in a classroom they're just a bit bigger if I'm <laughs> honest they're still miss miss because I get called miss as well it's miss or it's gov and it's can I have this can I have that he won't let me have this he won't let me have that and I'm like wow I feel like I've stepped back in time and I'm back in year five um but but that is essentially what it is and you know they just give you a little bit more attitude sometimes but you know I actually feel and it sounds terrible to say I feel safer working there than I did in the SEMH school um where you know I was kicked and spat at and various things but um yeah who, who knows what the future will hold but you know, it does Ash- look promising
1: I mean, how, how interesting – and also, I suppose the other thing as well is that, you know, you've got that teaching qualification, you know, you, you've got that PGC in your back pocket. So if, for some, whatever reason, you wanted to kind of tap into that again, no one can take that qualification away from you. I suppose equally with the prison officer training, you know, all these things are kind of things that you can kind of – I mean, I don't want to call them CV enhancers because it's so much more than that, you know, with the experience and everything that you bring to the table. But all these things you are doing are just kind of, you know, this is what I can do. This is what I'm qualified to do. All all of it is just kind of propelling Mm -hmm. you forward, which is what's so great to hear. And the fact that you still talk about all of it in such a positive light as well that even the kind of the stuff that has gone wrong and the things that have happened to you along the way. And it's been a lot. I mean, even in the time I've known you, it's it's been a lot, Amy, and you've kind of come out swinging from all of it. And it's so, so great to hear.
2: No, thank you. Yeah, no, it's, it's something that I can always rely on. I've always said, you know, since getting this job, you know, if, if, if I, if I don't love it and you know, I'm starting to wake up and like, Oh my God, why am I doing this? It's teaching is there for me to fall back on. And obviously with, my idea of traveling as well that I really want to do. That's something like you, you have done yourself, Lucy, um, you know, traveling and teaching abroad as well. That's, you know, something there. I mean, I could go and work in prisons abroad, but I can imagine they're run very, very differently. Um, <laughs> but but it, it is something that I can always rely on. Um, and should I want to return back to teaching, you know, I'm never going to say never because I did, I did love my time teaching. It was just everything else that went with it. And I think that's, that's something that, you know a, what some a reason why a lot of teachers you know the drop out of the profession if it was literally just a turn up teach and you know, you know enjoy yourself with the children that you're looking after then it would be a very different uh, ball game completely i think
1: Oh, most definitely. And I know um actually uh Tom Rogers, Amy, is listening, and Tom Rogers is um Teachers Talk Radio boss man, uh, and he's just said how great this chat is. Uh, I don't know I don't know if you can see the chat because I think you're on a desktop. Um, but he's popped in to say hi and and I think he would he would agree with you on this and, and he talks regularly about uh the sort of the the issues within teaching that are not Teaching itself, so yeah. uh, um, the, I know he's probably nodding along in agreement uh, as we're as we're chatting away here about uh, all the things yeah. that that you have said. Um, so you know you've got a, a, a bright future ahead of you, and I know that uh, I sort of half jokingly said to you, you know, what's next in terms of you know a blog, a book, Amy? I mean, I know you're an oh, avid reader, as oh, you said. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm nudging you uh, about this live on air, so. Uh, if we, we know that we talked about it um, would you ever go down that, that route given that you know you are you are a well read person and that you uh, you know you write well and all, and all the rest of it, do you ever I see I don't know to... if I
2: write well, I don't know if I do you Lucy do. I'm definitely year four, fives and sixes that could write a better story than me I know that because I've taught them um, <laughs> but I, I've, oh, exactly, I've you taught the last them. Uh, yeah, I have said for the last oh, I don't know, eight or nine years that I would love to write a book, but I don't know. I don't know if, if I could write it about myself and if it would be, you know, interesting enough that people would read it. I, I don't know. I've got no idea. I I have toyed with the idea, and I would love love to write my own book, but um, it, it's just getting to that point of actually, you know, am I am I going to do it? Am I not? Um, but I do have the time to do it now, even though I am working shifts. I have got the t- which is wow. That is one of the big things that is I miss massively. It's the holidays. Um, but let's not even go there because, you know, that, that still hurts at the moment. Um, and my weekends as well. My gosh, one weekend on, one weekend off. That's not okay. Oh, wow. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? I would love to write a book. And I don't know, maybe we could write one together, Lucy yeah
1: maybe i mean i i don't know what i'd bring to the party but we we could we could talk about that we can uh (laughs) when when you when you cough hint come and visit me in portugal we can we can have that conversation
2: uh Uh, yeah well if that's an (laughs) open invitation i will be there um well i'd say tomorrow but i'm not allowed out
1: No, I know. But, uh, you know, you, I mean, hopefully you'll, you'll, well, I know you will feel better soon. You'll, you'll, you'll shake, you'll shake it off. It's, it's, I mean, I, I was uh, ill this time last year. I had COVID this time last year. And it's rubbish and it sucks. But you, you will, you're, you're a fit, healthy person. uh, So you will kind of come, come out the other side.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I need to just get away from eating noodles and cereal because that is the only thing that i've wanted to eat for the last week is noodles and cereal i know you were going to ask me about what i was going to have for dinner and i don't feel like either of those are acceptable answers but that is all i fancied eating i've had no appetite whatsoever um which is really unlike me because i love my food um and yeah i can't even bring myself to having toast i know you said one of your friends was just going to have toast but i don't even fancy toast it's terrible oh wow I uh, know. well
1: CSCW has just put in the comments that what you're describing is the food of champions. And actually I'll tell you when I, um, when I was sick as well, all I ate, uh, or large part of what I ate was crackers. And to this day, I still can't quite look at a cracker in the same way. Like I know.
2: Exactly. Well, I've gone through four pints, four and a bit pints of milk in the last, I'd say three, four days at a push. Um, so I don't, I might start growing others soon. I don't know. Um, <laughs>
1: but <laughs> I mean is that
2: it, the of tea, tea you're drinking or is it oh, that bowls of cereal I, I would say of as well. at least like two two good bowls of cereal and tea as well um I, I love a good cup of tea as do as do pretty others, any English person that well most English people that I've ever met um mm-hmm. but Like with teaching, you never get to drink one hot when you're working in a prison. So, yeah, and there's never any sugar because sugar looks a lot like something else that you might want (laughs) to take in. So I have two sugars in my tea and, you know, I I can't force myself to take sugar in because I might just get pulled up for taking something that looks a little bit like a illicit drug into the prison. And I don't want to do that. I already did that with a pair of headphones. And oh, my gosh, I, I pooped a little bit um i forgot i had my my headphones in my bag because i took my bag to the gym and they said oh you're not allowed to take these in i was like oh what are they doing in there that makes me look awful um safe to say i i made up a lie said they don't work and you could just chuck them in the bin so i never saw them again um yeah, um, yeah.
1: <laughs> well speaking of milk drinking you may get this reference i don't actually understand this reference but um a comment saying you'll be playing for Accrington stanley after all that milk does that mean anything to you amy
2: I feel like it should, and it doesn't. Old, old school, school advert, advert. apparently. Um, yeah. Old school advert. How old are we talking? I, I'm, I'm, I'm 30 <laughs> years young. I don't know how, how old we're talking. Acton Stanley, I know that's a football team. Um <laughs> oh, I'm 40 now. I feel bad. Oh my god! Oh get, dear, I'll get
1: shouted out on, on on Twitter later for that. I'm sure uh, uh, TSCW well, will be coming after me on on Twitter uh, for for ageism amongst all sorts of things. And oh
2: no, yeah, that's not sure. a good start, is it?
1: No, I, I, I give I give Tom Rogers grief all the time, and he's I think only. Uh, <sighs> about five
2: years older than than me and I well we had this chat yesterday Lucy didn't we about how old you are and that yes. didn't go down too well did it um but we are we are creeping closer to 40 stop stop um, it no 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 some some quicker than others
1: no no no
2: after no, okay. after
1: after 35 we can have this conversation Amy I told you this we... Oh, I don't know
2: <laughs> you're only as old as you feel aren't you but I feel about 90 at the moment so um oh, oh Sarah's still in her 20s that's not okay
1: no, I know. And, uh, yeah, and uh, doing brilliantly as well. So, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: God bless her. I mean,
2: she's got a child as well. I, I couldn't cope with that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah,
1: no. br- yeah, I know. Responsible. Imagine that, being responsible for other humans.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, outside of your job. You outside know. of your
1: job, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the the difference.
2: Teaching it? teaching thirty children and then having a child at home, oh no, I couldn't cope. No, I like I like my own space. Yeah, and to I be think... able to go to the pub when I want to, it's it's bliss. <laughs>
1: and that's that's all that matters really isn't it when you can shut that door just like okay I can go and have my my glass of wine now in peace and no one's going to ask I have to say living alone um I mean obviously not when you're isolating but living alone certainly when you do jobs like we do is I think something you cannot put a price on
2: no uh, I do I do like my own company every now and again but Mm. I I have a reasonable drive to work so that's kind of my my escape put my music on put my, my tunes on if you like and then just Drive home and hope that the traffic's not too bad and you don't, you know, come across any idiots on the road. But you know, I, I well, live there, isn't that So that's 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 they're quite f- few and far between, well, especially at this end of the country. I would I find.
1: <coughs> oh well. Oh gosh, yes. Sarah's just said. Uh, just reminded us that actually, she, in two weeks, she will have two children. I can't believe it's that soon, Sarah. Goodness me. Um... Oh, wow good I luck know, Sarah
2: she, I know
1: she, she'll 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 be a champion um what I was gonna say as well uh, on the drive so it's music not
2: podcasts you, I I have mm, this because I'm really bad because I'm talking to you who loves podcasts and you know has her own radio show I, I I struggle with podcasts maybe I'm not listening to the right kind of thing so you know if you've got any suggestions um in terms of podcasts and things like that <laughs> teachers what was that <laughs> teachers talk yeah.
1: radio uh, yeah. well I know I know you've listened back to to a few shows and I know I mean no but there there are lots around I mean certainly I mean obviously teachers talk radio is more education focused but uh, certainly you know down the line Amy I think we're gonna have to have you back certainly if you go down the education route uh, in prisons I think that would be a, a fascinating journey or if you write your yeah. book
2: think, well you never know I might have time to do both yeah. Oh, I'm really talking myself into this now, aren't I? Yes, oh, I feel I feel right. like
1: I've dug, dug a massive hole for you now. You so, actually have.
2: And on radio yeah. when people are listening too. It's not even a conversation I can deny happening.
1: No, uh. no, I'm afraid not. Sorry, sorry, mate.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what I will do is I will actually, um, I will let you go in a moment because uh, I know that East you EastEnders are... is
2: on soon. That's why. Well,
1: well, that and also I want you to kind of... Given that you're still struggling through COVID, I want you to kind of uh, go and go and rest up because, uh, you know, you've been an absolute trooper for doing it. I mean, you've been wonderful for, for agreeing to it in the first place. And then on top of on top of that, doing it whilst uh, battling through COVID, I think uh, it puts you at the at the champion end of things.
2: I will take that. Is it Sarah's turn next after she's popped out baby number two? Well, I
1: mean, if she if she will if she's happy to come on, I'd I'd love to have her on because I know that Sarah since since her since she stepped away from teaching has done all sorts of things, own business, all sorts, all sorts of exciting things. Group six exactly. things happening,
2: you know. Got to get these fellow group sixers on because you know. Yeah, I think so. I think we're, we're one of a, a kind. Same.
1: Oh, we really are. <laughs> we really are. So I think it's going to be the start of uh, something beautiful, and I've got to. We're well, going to have to track a few people down, really
2: most definitely yeah but it has been a real pleasure thank you very much for having me it's um, been
1: brilliant yeah. having you amy thank you so much for being browbeaten by me into doing this
2: know that you're more than welcome um i don't know if i will come again but you never know maybe maybe no, yes joking, you will yeah. don't say that any 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 time you need to to fill a gap i'm more than happy to <laughs> share to share some prison stories Fill with a gap. You, was... you know there's plenty of things that we haven't touched on you know
1: that is that is true. No. But no, no, this was so much more than a gap filling exercise of any description. Um I uh well, I'm gonna dig a hole, but you know, I Amy, you know I wanted you to come on. Uh, honestly, when I thought about where, where my fellow PGCers are now, you were absolutely top of my list to to come on and chat and you have more than done yourself proud. I truly appreciate it, and yes, you will be coming back
2: okie dokie <laughs> i will hold you to that and i will see you at some point in in uh, lisbon because i you need will some do. sunshine you yeah do. but thank you very much for having me appreciate thank you
1: it. feel better and i will talk to you very oh. soon
2: thank you very much speak to you soon lucy bye bye
1: oh so that was my dear friend Amy who uh bless her honestly uh if i could share with you some of the text messages that went backwards and forwards before this show they were they're very entertaining obviously i'm not going to because they are full of swear words which we which we do not use on teachers talk radio but uh no we we had a a great catch up before this and it was lovely to to have Amy on just to talk about and i think what was so important in all of in all of this is that Uh, she still has positive feelings towards teaching. Because for me, this show was not about uh, the dark side of teaching so much. It wasn't about trying to shed negative lights on on our jobs and on our on our profession because we don't need any help with that. We get we get that daily in the press and and wherever else we we so choose to look for it. But what I wanted to show was kind of okay, so someone who has stepped away from the profession to do something else but still has enormous respect for it and still is thinking about utilising that qualification and thinking about you know always having it in the back pocket and maybe going back to it. And then I think Amy is a true reflection of that and demonstrates that beautifully. So brilliant stuff. Okay, so what's happening next? So I actually haven't decided what I'm talking about next week. I've still got a few things in the pipeline. So I will let you know via Twitter as soon as I confirm who is available when because we're all busy people. And it's very hard sometimes to to, to pin down who you want to talk to, but always working on it. What I can say, though, is that after me this evening, Libby Isaac is back. Uh, I don't know if she's in the studio at the moment. She does sometimes pop in, but she is definitely back after me with two, uh, can I say, rather dashing history teachers, uh, Robert Peel and James Redville And uh, as I mentioned earlier about my uh, little diversion into uh, a history lesson earlier today, um, this is going to be great, because she's going to be talking, talking. I imagine, all things to do with history. So as a, as a, uh, a history geek myself, I'm going to be very entertained by that show. So I'm excited, I'm excited to see and to hear what she's going to talk about. In the meantime, I'm going to cook chicken fajitas. And uh, I hope you are all well and all uh, having a good week. And I will speak to you very, very soon.